In times of trouble or uncertainty, a lot of us turn to outside support for help. A psychologist, a pastor, or maybe even a psychic. But what happens when a fortune teller costs you a fortune? I'm George Bolarki, and this is Cityscape. If you've walked the streets of New York City, you've probably come across a psychic shop. If the glowing neon lights weren't enough to catch your attention, maybe some enticing signage did. The phrase past, present, and future, surrounded by moons and stars, could have been just enough to lure you inside. Many cities and states have laws that ban or restrict fortune-telling. New York only allows it with a disclaimer that it's for entertainment purposes only. That being said, not all psychics play by these rules, and not all customers are simply looking to be entertained. Preeti Mahalanobis was going through a rough time. She had ongoing digestive issues that several doctors weren't able to resolve. So when she received an advertisement for a psychic reading as part of a coupon book she got in the mail at her home in Windermere, Florida, she thought, why not? Curiosity got the better of me, and I decided to give her a call. Mahalanobis had no idea what she was getting herself into. The first time I went there, she asked me a lot of questions. So I guess that should have... <laughs> put up a red flag right there because uh, what I later found out is that she was basically doing a cold reading. Depending on my answers to her questions, um, particularly when she started asking about, you know, my health and I told her, you know, that I had these digestive issues and she immediately jumped on that. You know, she says, oh, I, I sense some things there. And then she goes, well, I sense some things there, but if but if you want me to meditate on it and, you know, look into it further then it'll be $200. When I came back at the the next day at the, the time we had agreed upon, she didn't answer the door. Of course, I was very much looking forward to finding out, you know, what what she had discovered in her meditations. And so I was very disappointed that she wasn't answering. She wasn't there. So I went to my car and I gave her a call. And she said that, you know, no, 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 I'm here. But I guess she must have been in the back, and she said, oh, the negativity didn't want us to meet. It was trying to interfere. And uh, she told me that in her meditations, she found out something very important. The psychic told Mahalanobis an evil curse was looming over her family, and she was the only one who could break it. She said that um, my father, before he had married my mother, he was uh, involved with another woman, and he chose to marry my mother, and this other woman felt very scorned, and then she went to some very bad, evil people who put a curse on on him and his whole family for three generations. So what she told me to do was uh, write down uh, the names of my family members, my immediate family, meaning my parents, my siblings and their spouses and children, and then my own spouse and children. And for each person, there was 11 of us, she said, for each person, put a $100 bill in an envelope, along with this piece of paper with their names, and put it under my mattress that night, which I did. And then she also told me to take a grapefruit and put it under the bed. So she said that what was going to happen is that the evil was going to be attracted to the money and then be captured in the grapefruit. And I was instructed to bring her that envelope with the money and the grapefruit, which I did. And she told me to sit down. On She had this cushion on the floor. And she said, you know, I sat down cross-legged on the cushion. And she 
walked around me and chanted some prayers, and then she had a gong and she rang it by one ear and then walked around and rang it by the other ear, and she told me to close my eyes and meditate, and then she told me, okay, open your eyes, and she took the grapefruit, which I'd put on the floor in front of me, and um, she took that and she cut it open in the shape of a cross, and when she opened it up, inside in the center was something so horrific looking uh, that you know, it it just looked evil. The best I could describe it was like a, a black hairball, but it was much more ominous looking. And she goes, oh my God, oh my God. And I said, "What? what is that? And she says, that was the evil that had made a home in your body. From there, the psychic began raising the stakes and roping Mahalanobis into increasingly expensive endeavors. She's like, okay, I have to put this evil to rest, but I can't just throw away the grapefruit. I, I need to put it into a golden tabernacle. She won me over. She she got me to trust her completely. You know, she said, don't worry. She goes, I have connections with the church. I'll be able to, you know, get the tabernacle from them. You can just pay me as and when you can. Because, you know, she t- when I asked her how much is this tabernacle going to cost, and she told me $19,000. Uh, I was, like, in shock. But I said, well, I don't have that kind of money just sitting around, so... Um, she said, well, do you have any jewelry? And so she instructed me to go and bring her the jewelry and along with another $1,000 in cash. The psychic swore Mahalanobis to secrecy, isolating her from friends and family. She got me to, you know, have trust in her. And she says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of everything. I'll make sure that, you know, this evil has been put to rest. And so this curse can no longer affect you and your family. She goes, you have been the chosen one to release your family from this curse. As long as you don't tell anyone about the work that we're doing, you and I, you can't tell anyone, not a single soul. As long as you don't tell anybody, then nothing bad will happen. But the moment you, if you say anything to anybody, the evil, you know, she goes, it will escape. And then there's nothing I could do to help you. Mahalanobis says she began sacrificing her entire life to try to get rid of the curse. So over the course of the next nine months, I gave to her in, you know, between all the cash that I gave to her and the gift cards and, you know, um, the charges that she did on the credit cards from her business, a total of approximately $136,000. At that time, I was about to start a business, a Quiznos sub shop. And she told me, don't worry, I'm going to make sure that everything's successful. Your business is going to be successful. I'll make sure of it. My Quiznos shop, I mean, because she kept, you know, siphoning money off from the business, I had to close it down. So when I started questioning her, she started getting angry. That's when she decided to break her silence. Mahalanobis told her mom about what was happening and soon came to the realization that she'd been getting scammed. At that point, she called the police. They told her psychic scams aren't considered crimes, but rather civil matters. Mahalanobis and her husband refused to accept that. They hired private investigator Bob Nygaard to help them get their money back and prevent the psychic from scamming anyone else. Nygaard investigates psychic scams all over the country. He's been doing it for years now. Nygaard believes these cases are, in fact, crimes and should be prosecuted. If someone gets caught committing a theft and all they ever have to do is pay back what they stole, 
if they get caught, where is the deterrent for them to ever stop? Over the years, Nygaard says he's become an expert at distinguishing how unscrupulous psychics rope in their victims. He says what happened to Preeti Mahalanobis is a classic example. He says the script often goes just like this. I see a negativity around you. I see a darkness. Uh, I have to do deeper research. If you want to find out what's causing this problem, why your husband left you, why you got cancer, why you lost your job, this is going to be a pattern that's going to continue unless we correct it. So I have to find out what the root cause of this problem is, though. But that's going to take deeper meditation. And in order for that to occur, you're going to have to pay me more money, which is something probably under $1,000. And then you pay $500, $600 for them to do the deeper meditation. They get your number, they get your name, and then they're Googling your name. They're doing research on the person. In addition to the information they found out about the person, now they're also doing their homework on a a computer or, you know, through other means. And um, then the the person comes back right away, usually within a day or two. uh, They say, oh, I found out what the root cause of the problem is. Nygaard says psychic scammers use psychological ploys, much like a cult leader, to deceive their victims. They isolate the victim from friends and family. They'll say, you can't talk about the work that we're doing with anybody, because if you do, the evil spirits will find out, uh, the devil will find out, and our work will fail. And it'll be like we never even, it'd be worse than if we had never started, because now we're involved in this. So they swear the victim to secrecy, knowing that if the victim was to tell their friend or a co-worker or a relative of what was going on, they wouldn't be the one that was diagnosed with cancer, the one whose husband left them, the one that lost their job, the one that is vulnerable. And they would say, hey, wait a second, you know, red flags all over. After working with Nygaard, Preeti Mahalanobis says she's convinced her psychic hypnotized her to take money out of the bank. That's when I realized that... um I went to the bank and I looked at the records for, you know, the the days of when I had signed into my safe deposit vault. And apparently I had signed in on that very same day that she did the grapefruit ritual. And um, I, I couldn't, you know, remember that. Like at that point when I found that out, I told Bob, I said, I have no recollection of going to the bank and getting all the jewelry and giving it to her along with $1,000 like on that same day. I, I can't. You know, I I can't even. Re- I know that I gave her the jewelry, but I I didn't. I I had no recollection that it was on that same day. And and he said, yeah, because basically at that point, with the shock of everything, you're basically like in a ta- trance type of um, frame of of mind, a trance. Um, State. Bob Nygaard believes because people visit psychics on their own free will, there's a misunderstanding about the magnitude of psychic scams. That's one of the main problems with these type of crimes is that the victims are very maligned. The, instead of crediting the con, people blame the victims because it's a consensual crime. And, you know, anytime you have a consensual crime, it involves the person willingly giving over their money. But law enforcement, that is you know, ignorant of the fact, will say, well, they willingly gave their money, so it's not a crime. Top New York City police brass might not argue that point. I would look at it more as a civil matter. That's Terrence Monahan. He's chief of department for the New York City Police Department. Of course, you're freely going in there. It's your belief that what they're telling you is truth. And who am I to say, you know, your beliefs are wrong. My belief is that there's no one that can tell me what's going to happen uh, an hour from now or days from now or months from now or how my life's going to turn. 
But if you, that's your belief and you want to pay money for that. But for Bob Nygaard, there's a huge difference between handing over your money willingly and getting scammed. If you are in law enforcement and you went through the academy and you learned the law and you're, a, you're an attorney, you went through law school, you should know that theft can be many times committed by people that are willingly turning over their money because they've been conned. So to me, it's just reprehensible that this is what people, victims, have to deal with when trying to get a case done. And I still, to this day, am fighting all over this country you know, with the police departments and prosecutors' offices trying to get these crimes uh, prosecuted. Uh, most of the time when a victim calls me, I say, "Do you had you been to the police? And they say, yeah. And I say, what happened? And they say, oh, well, they told me it's not a crime. They told me it's a civil matter. If I had a dollar for every time a cop told or a prosecutor told somebody it's a civil matter, I'd be the richest guy on this planet. Preeti Mahalanobis' case gained a great deal of attention after Nygaard appeared on an episode of ABC's 2020. Countless individuals who had fallen victim to psychic scams started reaching out to Nygaard for help. ABC came to do the uh, show on this case, and they interviewed me. And after interviewing me, they liked my stories, and they liked my life story. And so they asked me to go on, and I went on and, uh, and talked about some of my cases. And over 8 million people watched that ABC 2020 special. And my life changed after that. It was just, you know, my, my phone, if it was ringing from just the articles down in Florida, and, you know, the Sun Sentinel and the Miami New Times, you should imagine what happened when 8 million people watched ABC 2020. People call me from all around the world. I didn't understand the, the reach of the media today because people call me from Australia, from New Zealand, from Singapore, from London, from, you know, all over the world, Finland, you know, like all over the world. What happens is all these people that are calling me were in the United States at one time and they either lived or worked here and then they went back. And a lot of times they went back because the psychic told them that it was too evil to be here. Something bad would happen to them, so they needed to, to leave. And they would go back thinking that they needed to do that so they wouldn't get killed or, you know, the curse wouldn't get them. Nygaard sometimes goes undercover to expose unscrupulous psychics. In this recording, New York City psychic reader Christine Evans is promising Nygaard, posing as a guy named John, that she can reunite him with a lost love for 500 bucks. Go to the ATM. We have one right next door. Yeah, John. Do you want her? Yes. Then you got to do the work. You can't you can't go reader to reader and say you want her. Yeah, I, I, but then I've been you to don't other, do other readers. Yes, yeah. and you don't follow through. Right. John, the good spirits up above brought you here. You got to do it. Oh. Nygaard says his work has so far resulted in the prosecution of 30 psychics, and he's recovered over $3.5 million for people. He even helped Preeti Mahalanobis get her money back, though her psychic was never prosecuted. As far as Christine Evans, the NYPD did arrest her after Nygaard's undercover sting in 2016. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office says the case is now sealed and they couldn't provide any additional information. I was also unable to reach Evans or her lawyer for comment, but I did talk with New York City Defense Attorney Robert Gottlieb. He's currently representing a psychic accused of swindling clients out of more than a million dollars. She's facing a slew of charges, including scheme to defraud and grand larceny. Count Gottlieb says should never apply to psychics. He says there's no difference between what a psychic is doing for people who voluntarily pay money for peace of mind and what a televangelist provides. How many uh, pastors, clergy, televangelists have returned money to people who have paid out of their pocket 
hard-earned money seeking redemption, when that person someday wakes up and says, wait a second, I was fooled. I don't feel redeemed. I haven't reached salvation. Uh, How many of those uh, uh, accepted professions in the clergy, how many uh, have returned money to their flock? I'm willing to bet zero. So how do you know when a psychic is legit? For that, I turn to some psychics who say they're in it for the right reason, to solely help people. Nancy Duterte says she serves her clients in various ways. These days, primarily what I'm doing is I'm a psychic detective. Uh, I'm a medium, remote viewer. I'm an author, lecturer. Uh, I do a number of things. On top of that, I happen to be an attorney. Duterte says her psychic abilities came over time as she honed her talents and became connected to her thoughts and feelings. She describes the experience as fine-tuning all of your senses. So it's not just uh, doing, you know, trying to find a missing person. You're also um, tuning your abilities to see auras, to um, uh, be able to understand the future and how you would possibly read it. When Duterte refers to herself as a remote viewer, she means she helps solve cases by solely using her psychic abilities. Working with nothing. And that was the whole idea, which is you go in 100% blind. You don't know anything. The only thing you're given is a, it's a target number. And the number itself doesn't relate to anything. So I'm extremely used to working with absolutely nothing, and it's amazing the amount of data you can get from nothing. I also uh, have developed my own kind of remote viewing. I work with a little little bit of what they call front-loading. What I ask for from my clients are questions or photographs or nothing, and it's amazing what you can get with that. You can be as, you know, little front-loaded or as maximally front-loaded as you like if you're good, and you can still get information that is literally impossible to know. Duterte says psychic abilities don't come naturally for everyone. She says for people like herself, the abilities are learned. It's really hard to walk in there cold and just say, hi, you know, I think that the body is, you know, could be found under a bridge and whatever. It works that way for an awful lot of what I would say, what I would call natural psychics. You know, people have had this gift or, or this ability since they were very little. Since I didn't have that, when I, I'm just trained, which means I, I switch it on and I switch it off. I am not one of those people who will turn on the TV and say, yeah, I think I know where the body is. And so I better call up the, uh, the police department and tell them. In addition to uncovering information on criminal or missing persons cases, Duterte says she also meets with clients one-on-one and helps them with personal problems. It's a form of a service that I do for people. And I'm trying to show them how to live their lives for themselves by themselves without the benefit of, you know, somebody spoon-feeding them information. So stay away from that. Stay away from taking large amounts of money, saying guaranteeing results. You can't do that. I tell every single one of my clients before reading, I say, and, and this is uh, it, always, I say sometimes I am 100% dead-on accurate, sometimes I'm not. It's just the way it is. And as long as you understand that, we're on the same page. We're good to go. Jesse Bravo takes a similar approach. Bravo's an investment banker on Wall Street by day and a psychic by night. He says he doesn't need the money or the clout. He does it because he truly feels he can connect with people on a higher level. I feel that being a psychic is a person that could be more in tune with people's energy, feelings, and thoughts. I don't think there's anything more than beyond that. 
Before anything, Bravo says he first explains to clients that he isn't always going to be right. He tells them it's up to them to interpret the information he gives them and proceed according to their own gut instincts. So, you know, I meet with a lot of people who are going through many different difficulties. And one of the things I always do before I start and I get on the phone with the person, I tell them, number one, I'm not going to be right all the time that this is not a 100% thing. If I was right, I'd be hitting the lotto every single day. I'd be barred from going to casinos and card games. So I wouldn't be able to do that. But I tell them when I get something, I feel it's right, and I'm going to tell you. And what I always do is I put the onus on the client. So I say, when I give you this information that I get, if the information doesn't feel right, then by all means don't do anything. And so what I essentially do for my clients is that I give them as much information as possible for them to make the right decision for them. Bravo says he keeps his two identities completely separate, as to not confuse his clients on either side. By day when I'm on Wall Street, I'm on Wall Street. The second the clock goes down and I'm over here, then I become the psychic. So I don't mix the two. So I don't go to my clients and say, hey, listen, I have this great great ability and uh, I could feel stuff and with the market and, uh, you know. That is one surefire way of getting sued. Bravo says he never pretends to be anything he's not, and he follows the law. When I deal with a person and, you know, I'm completely upfront with them, you know, one of the first things I do when I speak to them, I say, listen, this is for, you know, entertainment purposes only. I operate in New York. I'm like, they could put me in jail. I'm like, I'm too good looking to be in jail. I wouldn't make it too far. So, you know, I put all the disclaimers out there. And the second part of it is I got a terrible business model. I say, hey, listen. I only want to see you once a year of that. And when people understand where I'm coming from and they see what I'm doing, they're more than happy to tell other people, hey, look, this guy is unbelievable. He's looking to help. He's not looking for me to come every other month to drop money on me so they could hear me complain about something. How about you just be honest to who you are? I'm a human being. I have a pretty good gift, and I'm going to try to help you. That works just as well with somebody if you can help them. Bravo says people looking to visit a psychic should do their own research before booking an appointment. The first thing I would do is to find out the person's reputation. And in New York, even though there's a lot of people, it's a relatively small community. So if you start to ask around other people, other people give you a wealth of experiences that they've heard and they've been, and it gives you a good idea. The second point is call them up. Most have like an interview with them and ask them questions about how they operate, how they believe, if they believe on your belief scale, and see how you feel about their personality and, and if it feels all right with you. Most oftentimes when you do that, you will get a sense that this person's talking in a different language that you're not talking. So why show up and pay the money to find that out to be disappointed? Speak to them. People have no problem. Listen, they call me up. I talk to me for 10, 15. What do you think about this? And, that? and, you know, and I go, I have no problem with it because they have a right to know. So why not just tell them? Uh, what's so hard about that? Daniel Newsom is an interfaith minister. He refers to himself as a channel for the Holy Spirit of God and the archangels. But he says it's okay to also call him a psychic. Newsom believes he's been given a special gift that allows him to access God. Each of us has within direct access to the Spirit of God. But there is a process that we need to go through of release and transformation and meditation to open us to that experience. And so my work is to help people to open to that experience and also to release 
the blockages within that prevent the person from having a happy, fulfilled life, in short, having heaven on earth. Newsom says he doesn't tell the future. He aims to bring people closer to their truth and to understand their purpose and struggles. Well, some people come because they want insight into what's going on with the person they have love feelings for or what's going on for them professionally or what's going to happen. So some people will come for that kind of work, which is not really my specialty, passion, or joy. The work that I really serve best is when someone has baggage or obstacles or conflicts or turmoil within, and they want healing. Although the people Newsom works with believe in a higher being and his connection to it, he says he understands his practice doesn't make sense for everyone. Sometimes I, I, I realize there are many, many people who are not having these kinds of experiences, and, you know, what, what would they make of you? But I'm finding at this point in my life that I don't hold back. Um, I'll tell people if they ask me what I do, I'm a minister, and they'll say, well, what kind of minister? And I'll say an interfaith metaphysical minister, and if people want to know more, I'll say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a channel for the Holy Spirit of God in the archangelic realms. You know, and however, if they want to keep, keep with, uh, going with the conversation, I will keep answering very honestly and truthfully. Some people just cut off right there, and kind of, if I'm at a party and I say that, they'll walk away, or that you can you know, feel an awkward silence. Other people are more interested. And the other thing that I find interesting is, as a minister, people will say, oh, well, how, do, how, long does it, how long does it take you to prepare your sermons for Sunday? And I'll say, oh, it doesn't take long at all. I just let the Spirit come through me in the moment. And, you know, many people can't understand that or believe that that's even possible. But... That's what happens. Newsom says it's important for anyone who seeks out spiritual guidance to know how to spot the rotten apples. I truly believe that the people who work with me are guided to work with me, are meant to work with me, and nothing would stop them from finding me and me finding them. If you work with anyone who gives you the impression that they have a very special power... And your problems can only be solved by working with them. That should be a major red flag. And if it involves huge amounts of money, another major red flag. As far as the future goes, Jesse Bravo says New York State's restrictions that psychic readings must be for entertainment purposes only aren't going to impede his practice. New York State does not believe in what I do. And that's fine. They don't have to. I just have to follow their laws. And so when I go to a client and I say, hey, listen, I have to say this disclaimer, I, hate, I, I tell them, I hate saying it, but I don't have to believe it. And neither does the client. Me and the client have a similar belief. I just have to put it out there and we go about our business. It doesn't have to deter us from anything. Psychic Nancy Duterte says New York's laws against psychics derive from a misunderstanding of the good work that she and many other people do. Those laws are created by skeptics, so they don't have a clue what it means to be psychic. Probably the people who wrote those laws 
uh, had never been to a psychic and probably would laugh if if they got a reading. They don't get it. They don't understand it. So it's demeaning to have to say, well, this is for entertainment purposes only. This stuff is very difficult because what you're doing is you are deconstructing knowledge and you were finding a different pathway towards accessing information. And most people don't get it. So when you say, oh, it's just for entertainment purposes, you have completely demeaned an entire field, which has, like any other field, it's good people and it's bad people, which is why a whole lot of people are now doing it under the auspices of remote viewing, because it sounds, it is military, it comes out of the military, but it gives a different sort of glow to the name. So I purposely call myself that because I'm attempting to desensitize people to the term psychic. For his part, Daniel Newsom thinks the laws in New York are outdated and need to be completely eradicated. I think that clearly those laws were put in place to protect people, but I think they're obsolete now because they actually negate the reality of psychism, the reality of spirit. I mean, you know, my work is not for entertainment purposes. I think that, I think they need to go, actually. That's my opinion. And to give Preeti Mahalanobis the last word, the woman who lost more than $130,000 to an unscrupulous psychic, if you fall victim to a malicious medium, Mahalanobis says, understand it's not your fault, don't let it defeat you, and be stronger because of it. Cityscape is a production of WFUV News. I'm the host and senior producer, George Bodarki. Our producers are Fiona Shea, Caroline Rotante, and Julia Seabold. You can download our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You'll find us under WFUV's Cityscape. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 